Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We are joined today by juggernauts of live comedy and online comedy the the mighty foil arms and hog tim straight off the bat straight out of the gates these guys came armed to the teeth with knowledge experience anecdotes i thought they were i've never i think i've ever used the word dreamy but they really were oh my god so brilliant yeah foil arms and hog if you don't know them they're a trio a sketch trio based in dublin in ireland and yeah three three individual people so three different opinions coming in uh all with different experience and it made for such a great chat it was great they the way they interact with each other obviously is brilliant but it was lovely to see that come through on the pod as well they are so close aren't they they were like i mean they were like you can tell they're three best friends but also they're like brothers. There's all, they've got that shorthand. They've got that telepathy that the great sketch acts have got. You know, so even when they, I mean, I don't think they ever trampled over each other. But even if the, even if they did, it was all part of it. I just, I knew them a little bit from gigging with them years ago. But I came away and I, I, it, it, this was one of those shows where I was WhatsApping Tim days after, and I kept going like puffing out my cheeks, going, "God, Tim, what, foil arms and hog were absolutely brilliant." Um, a lot of love between them. Three very, very funny dudes, as Tim says. Three individual dudes. Oh, also, you'll be listening to the start, and I'm going to guess some of you will be thinking, James, for the love of God, please tell us which one is which. And I do that, but it takes a few minutes. I just want to explain that, because if I was you, I'd be listening, getting quite frustrated, going... I want to know which one is which. So we do get there. Tim, five full minutes in, maybe more? Maybe a little more, but not much more. <laughs> not much right, more. Right, an hour in. Um, 
but yeah, so they, they do, they introduce themselves, they say who's who. Should that have been my first question? Yes, probably should. Was it about my 10th? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, lovely boys and Tim, great stories. Oh, God. It, the, it, you know what? Both incidents they want to erase and replicate are both so brilliant. They're, they're, look, they're sketch comedians, but all three of them could be storyteller comedians. The way they paint for picture of those gigs are just... I can picture both of them so clearly, which is mad. <laughs> They're so good at telling a story. The two stories, I swear, I feel like I was literally there in my in my mind's eye. I pictured what the venues looked like. I was not there, but that that's that's how good they are. You 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 will love this episode. Uh, I imagine a lot of you are already familiar with Foil Arms and Hog. Um, they a bit like us. Mm, I'm not confident of seeing this through, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. They, like us, on lockdown, you know what, Tim, let's go for it. A lot like us, on lockdown, they thought, let's try make a fist of this. And where, where Tim and I did something like 300 plus online shows, I've brought it back to us too much. I'll go back to Four Arms and Hog. What they did was they set themselves a goal of making online sketches once a week and they had to stick to it. And I would say, Tim, that it's not too much to say, it completely changed the game for them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think well, there are people who were looking forward to that new, once a week, there's gonna be a new sketch, sort of lockdown, not, not loads happening. So just the countdown, when is the next Full Arms and Hogs sketch going? When's the next Always Be Comedy online gig going? <laughs> I reckon that's what we're saying. We, we would get some emails with people, people would say, whether it was Tuesday Night Club or Al Murray on a Monday or the Mixed Bill Night on a, it's like I'm plugging shows it or the Mixed Bill Night on a Wednesday or something else. But people would say that they would count down to eight o'clock on a Wednesday because they, they knew that that was the Always Be Comedy Show. And people would dress up like they were going out. People would dress up. I'm getting emotional even thinking about it. People would dress up as if they were going out to attend a gig, even though they were sat in the lounge watching a gig on the laptop or on the telly or what have you. And what happened with Foil Arms and Hog was that they went into lockdown, a beloved, popular, fantastic, acclaimed comedy trio. And then what happened with the sketches? I mean, Tim, we're talking millions of, of views. And also I think what might happen for some of you is you might, some of, some of our guys might think, oh, I'm not sure I've heard of Foil Arms and Hog. And then when you actually watch one of their sketches online, you'll go, oh, those guys, because that, that's how much their, their sketches were getting shared they were across the socials, across WhatsApp. Uh, I mean, some of them, I, I'm gonna use the word iconic, because some of them <laughs> were like global gangbuster sketches, and then they've come out of lockdown. And, uh, you know, we came out of lockdown and we're able to do sometimes six shows a week. They've come out of lockdown and, Put it this way: They're doing three nights at the London Palladium. They're not. They're not playing games. So this tour of uh, foil arms and hogs. If you've not seen them live, we would say get a ticket if they're coming to a town near you. If they're not, get a train, drive. Um, but yeah, check. If you've never seen them, check them out online. We think you'll love them. But then also, as they say, 
their online sketches and the live sketches are, are, are different beasts, but they're, they're, they're phenomenal comedy performers. And then, and also Tim, one of the big takeaways was you, we, we came away sort of wishing that we were their best mate. You know what I mean? They've got that, <laughs> they've got that sort of, uh, that sort of energy. So they used to play always be comedy. I reckon it's te- maybe 10 years ago. Wow. May, may, may it might even be more. Anyway, let's say maybe it's around, maybe it's, I'm going to go between eight and 10 years ago. And uh, there's a, there is a lovely bit on the episode where one of them says something like, um, yeah, there used to be a, a big, was it a, did he say bay window? Bay window and a fireplace. <laughs> there used to be a bay window and a fireplace. And uh, the, you, our regulars will enjoy that bit because uh, there is still very much the bay window <laughs> and the fireplace. If you want to find out more, there, I'll tell you what, Tim, their, it's a lovely website. Their website, it really is. <laughs> every week, every, it might be the first time I've ever said this, every week I'll go on the guest's website. And there's times where I think, mm, you, you could have a better website. Foil Arms and Hogs is it's a work of art. It is foilarmsandhog.ie. Beautiful front page. Look at that. Lovely layout. There's the tour dates. Uh, when this episode comes out, I tell you what, Tim, the 6th of October at the Palladium is already sold out. That's just astonishing, I mean, isn't it? Like, if a comedian does for Palladium once, I think that is, that's as good as it gets. I Do you know what? I totally agree. I, once, I warmed up for Jack Whitehall at the London Palladium. Amazing. That is one of my, because I, you know, as a, as a kid who grew up in the, 90s kid who grew up in the 80s the royal variety show uh sunday night at the london palladium it's such an iconic venue and that so that to me that every time i walk past the palladium i've got such warm memories of, of that night with uh jack so for foil arms and hog to be uh to be doing three nights on the rounds fifth sixth seventh of october at the palladium but they take in uh, newcastle glasgow cambridge oxford salford Derry. Uh, Belfast Opera House, they've sold it out twice. They've sold out the Bremen Theatre in Copenhagen. They've sold out oh. the Divine... Hang on hang on a minute. I, I shouldn't have started this. They've sold out loads. <laughs> uh, yeah, so see if you like, see what all the fuss is about. And then obviously a lot of you who are listening will already be well on board the Foil Arms and Hog train screaming, what are you talking about? We love these dudes um but I, i'm just saying that because there'll be some dudes who, who might not have seen them but uh yeah we, we we love the bones of these dudes um i would say keep your correspondence coming in we absolutely love it the team at alwaysbecomedy.com we are across the socials at always be comedy a big thing to flag tim lots of positive praise for the loo Sanders episode, not just positive praise for the episode, but there's so much love for Lou out there. Oh my God, of course. Well, how could you not? Lou is just, Lou is great in the episode. I love how much people are loving her book. People are really going mad for it. Yeah, Lou has been so brilliant and uh, no exception for the episode. Really great. Um. There's, uh, I, I feel, Tim, I may have, um, I may have set myself up here because we, we responded to an email where somebody said that they were going away with the wife 
and I like the idea of putting on a show for when this person is down from Scarborough. <laughs> what it's done is it's inspired similar emails. Rachel writes in, just listening to the Lou episode. So I'm in Huddersfield. I've never been to Always Be Comedy, but I'm having a very rare night in London with work. Anyway, they've checked the schedules and they want us to put a show on Tuesday the 30th of January. The thing is, I love this idea of almost doing bespoke bespoke nights for northerners <laughs> yeah <laughs> if they if they happen to be in london you know what rachel we're, we're gonna try rachel puts but yeah the northern set of fans will be needing a right good lineup please shall i send my requests mc open middle close you rachel you can do but if you book someone else other than me to mc can you imagine how painful that would be <laughs> for me to be stood at the back of the room at a gig I, I have built with my, metaphorically, with my bare hands across 12 plus years, it would be like watching somebody else take my wife out for a delicious meal. I, I don't I don't think I'm mentally tough enough to take, as I watch Tim Lewis MC the night of his life, I don't think, I, I couldn't take it. Uh, but Rachel, I would be intrigued to see what your lineup would be. So yes, you know what, go for it. Uh, this is nice, the vintage one great podcast this is this is where we go full-on praise i discovered this podcast yesterday and have listened to five episodes already love the mix of guests and the insights into stand-up comedy love how everyone seems to be friends as well wonderful stuff i would say generally speaking dudes are friends tim oh absolutely yeah the the great the best bit of a gig is the <laughs> for breaks in the green room <laughs> It's all the goss. It's all the chat. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I, yes, exactly that. Um, and this, this one is no exception. Um, you, I, I feel like I know the, the lads better. Uh, so without further ado, oh, man, the, you are in for a treat. These three, awesome. We welcome the maestros, Foil, Arms and Hog. <laughs> Right, so right straight out of the gates, lads. Do you remember you used to do always be comedy back in the day? Yes. Yeah. Man. So we did it in Kennington, wasn't it? And we did an Edinburgh preview. I think it was our first one there with Mark Watson. Do we they did... remember it? They remember it better than I do. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, you do a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember we remember doing it, and it's funny, like because I couldn't remember most of the sketches, but I do remember one sketch, which was the last time we'd ever done it. We did one sketch there, and uh, yeah, well, like this just like remember, you know, Edinburgh preview always has a few sketches that still kind of haunt you, even though you never yeah. did them again. But you're like, you remember the confusion and silence. <laughs> always be comedy killed that sketch. Yeah, forever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but, um, with good reason, it deserved to be put down. Definitely, yeah, it was a, it was gentle, but um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, we did a great time. We absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. It's a lovely room upstairs and. Yeah, we were in front of a fireplace, maybe. I don't know. Was that? Yeah. 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 And a bay window. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know how to break it to you that nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> great. It was great. a classic at the time. Still is. Yeah. Oh, it's a really nice gig. Yeah, it was a very nice gig. Yeah, the audience were very, very generous. And we very remember because it was honest. unusual, I guess. Like we didn't do, yeah. I think it was still probably, did we do maybe two or three previews in, in london ever to for... do previews in london for us was weird yeah and we just we just do it in dublin and then go straight over so that was yeah yeah i think i, I think you did i think you did uh a couple of sets as well you know 
We might have done, yeah. Oh, we definitely did. Yeah, we did a few sets. Do you mean like just randomly around the year? Yeah, yeah, we'd go over in London and, and try our... Try had quite a bit, but I think uh, James do means in, in always be comedy. Oh, in always be comedy at least twice. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. And you know what, lads? I'm just so sorry that things didn't work out for you after that. As I look at as I look okay. at your yeah. website and see yeah. three dates at the London Palladium. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. There's um, no bay window beside the stage. There. No. <laughs> yeah. It's... Hang on. I've got I've got a phone call to make after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. The ghost of Bruce Forsyth might not approve of this, but if you could please add a bay window, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the, to the iconic Palladium. Uh, I mean, look what what you've done. Uh, the, the word the word inspirational. I mean, I'm I'm a schmaltzy guy, but I mean, it is Very extraordinary. To to any listeners who don't, hang on, I'm asking you to sum up your own career. But if, if very, I will very quickly attempt. But you were pioneers of. of of doing these sketches online and then turning these sketches into mega hits and then turning those mega hits into ticket sales. I mean, you were doing that before a lot of other dudes were doing that. I guess in a way. In a way we yeah. were, I guess. I mean, yeah, we'd, we'd been performing for a good few years before we tried our hand at like doing videos online to try and get people to come to the shows. And yeah, like I suppose since the, the pandemic, it's really the model for comedy has flipped, whereas now you you start online doing videos and then try and do the live show. But I don't, I don't know how people do that because it is what, well, you know, it's so much harder to do a live show than it is to do a video online. So we had it like the old school way. You learn your craft in the stage and then you turn your hand to the yeah. videos. But so the new, new kids coming out, I must be so scary. Like there's just kids, we've seen them like when they've got such really successful online videos and their first gig is in front of like 500 people. Like no no no, your first gig should be in front of five people, yeah, and then build up. So I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah, I have huge respect for the dudes who have started out online and are then doing the. I mean, I would say this always be comedy, but they 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 start doing the smaller smaller gigs because they want to learn the they want to learn the craft, they want to do it properly before they end up in the mega dome, which which a lot of them do. But that but those guys who are learning it from a standing start. I mean, I've. I mean, fair play to them. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's amazing. Nice yeah. to hear that they're going to the clubs and doing the yeah, doing yeah, it that way, incredible. though. That's because you got it, don't you? God, you got yeah, it. Some of them, some of them have been doing it well. Like, it feels like gig number one is at the Megadome. I mean, yeah, you yeah. won't wish that on anyone, would you? No, no, <laughs> no terrifying. No, it's so, going to go badly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it. I'm calling it. <laughs> the only difference, I guess, is that when they're doing that Megadome gig, it's it's all their fans. Definitely. Whereas you know, when you're starting out, normally it's yes. okay. Random people going, "Who the heck are you? And yeah. How are make, you going to impress me?" Yeah, you're funny, are you? Mm, better make me laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now for you guys, what was there a video where you went, "Oh, hello, we might be onto something here"? There was a few of them. There was, it was all quite gradual. There was like a few, there were gradual milestones where you go, oh, wow, 30,000 hits. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then that, that kind of became the norm then gradually after another two years. And then we were like, hey, 100,000 hits. And then, then that kind of. Well, almost not like maybe, but all, but mostly just not really. As in like, you know, <laughs> you mostly. Fully, and that's fine. You know, like it's it's an open platform here for the <laughs> No, there there are there are videos certainly that were were bigger than other ones, but like for us, it's always just been consistency. It sounds so dull, but like 
it's you know reliability and consistency the two favorite words of everyone who's listening yeah. to comedy but like but <laughs> there were there were some videos that, yeah, that broke true. the game like there was the uh the how to speak dublin that that changed the game for us. Okay, that was our enough. first proper big Actually, one. I'll give it to you. The Brexit video for the UK audience. The what W what the fuck is or what W I don't yeah, know. And then, and, and over the pandemic, then it was the uh the maths class disaster, and that changed the game yeah, okay. a little bit more, and that went absolutely super viral. Okay, so you're coming to the argument with facts. Yeah, that's yeah, fair yeah, enough. Facts, <laughs> yeah, so we've got this expert here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I imagine some of our listeners have seen your videos without realizing it's forearms and hog. If that makes sense, because yeah. they would, they'd end up on the 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 accounts that often don't credit people, but they would they would share them on Facebook and things like that, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's like it's they would steal it. Yeah, it's kind of good and bad, I guess. It kind of yeah. puts you out there, but most people don't know. It's good exposure. Yeah, it's yeah. good exposure. Oh, it's, it's such a funny one, especially as you're you're growing as a channel. Because when we were when we were growing, there were a lot more of those accounts that would just take your video and just put it out there. And there'd be there'd be no nothing you could do about it. There's a lot more you can do about it now, and copyright strikes and all that stuff. But and when we were starting out, and then like people like Lad Bible would would ask to take it, but they wouldn't give you anything for it. And they'd get millions of hits. It was one you know the U.S. immigration sketch we did? They got like millions and millions and millions yeah. of hits for this, and it just Nothing fell back to us yeah, from 15 it. million hits, but you'd get 8,000 followers. So it was kind of like that. And you kind of go, oh, okay, well, at least you got, eight, you got something out of it. Whereas like, if you don't give them to it, well, you get nothing. So you kind of do a deal with the devil and that's the kind of way to do yeah. it, really. Mm. They're profiting often more than you will. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Now, because because we, we started hot and we went straight into it, I've been an appalling host and I can, I can practically hear the listeners going, which one's which? So <laughs> I apologize profusely. Right. So if if Sean Finnegan foil, if you say a bit and then at least they can they can go, right, now I know who's who now. So this is me, this is Sean Finnegan Foyle. And as we continue talking here, if you can keep on telling the difference between the three of our accents, which are quite similar, you are doing very well and you've got a great yeah. ear. You see, I'm arms and um, we all grew up like within ten minutes drive of each other, so in the same area of Dublin practically. So and my name's Sean. How's it going? I'm a hog and all that. <laughs> yeah, if you could keep that accent for the whole thing, that'd be very helpful. Very yeah. helpful for the listeners. Can, can I just say that as a, as a football fan, you really took that one away. John Aldridge would have been proud of that. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the ball was there. He thought I I could put this away, and he did. He absolutely <laughs> did. That was that was that was glorious. So right. <laughs> So you got you guys met at uni, is this right? Yeah, yeah, spot on. Mm -hmm. So please, please talk us through it. Was it was it alchemy from the off? Or yeah. hang on, there's laughter there suggesting maybe not. Oh no, definitely. Yeah, it was like yeah. a, it was a drama society. So we weren't like in the same course. We just met in the drama society, and the drama society did kind of plays, 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 but plays. Serious and plays. then every so often there would be something silly that that would get to to happen, and inevitably all three of us would want to be involved in that. You do plays here, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then so we eventually found a, a silly crew, and then there was about twenty of us. And then ironically, I guess when you think about it, out of that crew of twenty, we were the three. You were most serious mm -hmm. about the silly thing. Yeah. And uh, so we kept right. up the silly thing and worked very hard at it. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, it just became, yeah, because, oh yeah, well then the we were all like due to leave college and go and do whatever, you know, into the into the workforce. Um, but then there was a massive recession in Ireland. So it was brilliant because we could just keep doing the comedy thing. There was no, there was no jobs to go and get. So we could just, we just kept doing that. And then as the recession kind of left, Four Arms and Hog has built to a level where people were paying us like you wouldn't believe it like so good like 50 50 euro 50 pounds 
between the three of us oh, yeah. for 20 minutes or something like that. Nice. So, you know, you could tell the parents, this is a career. Yeah. I knew, know- that, I knew that you remembered always be comedy. That's still the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, look, you know what it was, though? Like, for, for me, anyway, like, I always wanted to do it. I wanted, I actually wanted to be a stand-up. Um, you guys kind of held me back, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was well, luckily I held myself back. Otherwise, yeah, you would have been. I, I would have blown out of the water. I think. Water, I, think you know. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't speak for foil. Maybe he'll answer it now. But uh-huh. I, I, like, I think the recession was good to keep foil in the group. I reckon. Mm. It, well, I don't know. Yeah, because all that time he played the stig on um on top gear <laughs> that's left you know? field isn't it yeah don't tell people that no but is <laughs> well, there, come it... on they deserve to know <laughs> but is there is there a truth in that because I, I was always going to do um stand-up or entertainment whatever happens uh i don't know what i would have done i've i've never had a grand plan and uh, i still don't have a grand plan <laughs> <laughs> no honestly that's all i could do yeah, bless your indecision man i've never i've never i did like uh, i did architecture in college for no real reason other than you didn't have to write big essays and i was good at drawing so i was like okay i could do that okay and uh but then i immediately just went to the drama society because i loved doing that but then i'd never thought about doing comedy and i ended up here <laughs> So I don't know. Yeah. It's all just worked out all right. I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. Yeah. There's, so there's a podcast I listen to religiously, and it's the it's the Saturday Night Live Fly on the Wall podcast, and a recurring oh. theme on this podcast, David Spade and Dana Carvey host it, and what they keep saying is, no one ever teaches you to write a sketch. No one ever teaches you. Right. They say it pretty much every single week. So they just, you, you get the gig, you think it's a dream gig, and then it sounds like an anxiety nightmare, and you're trying to learn how to write how did you guys because i can speak from experience <laughs> writing sketches is 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 not easy so how did you guys learn that craft yeah just years of trying and failing and trying mm. and half succeeding i guess yeah yeah I, I think there was there was also two crafts to learn there was the craft for writing a sketch on stage and then the craft for writing one for for uh for film for the, for youtube or whatever like they're totally different skills and two very different oh my god things. The, the first the year when we decided to do one sketch every single week and we locked into it um those first couple of years hours, oh hours. my god there was some serious stress and like pouring time into ideas that didn't work and then you're like well we got to put something out we said we would and you're putting something out knowing it's not good but we've we've gotten an awful lot better at it, an awful lot more relaxed and you can just see the games and you've developed a language of how to speak about the comedy that you're writing and why it's not working all of a sudden and how you can make it work. And yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah. The ideas I think that have come to the table now are much clearer, you know, um, you come to, you come to things that you would definitely have left out like a who, a what and a where you'd come to the table with one joke spread over five pages. Um, and I, then... I, I, I did that the other day with the cloakroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a funny idea! Yeah, with a cloak room <laughs> that only takes cloaks, doesn't take jackets. Yeah, <laughs> huh? hey. yes. I think I know. But like, we never would have found like. So we were trying to write further in that, and then we're trying to find like, you know, what are the other rooms and the, the bathroom, but it's only got baths in it, and like, you know, and then so we started to add more to that. Yeah. So you had to let the keep the the water running for a long time for it to heat up. But yeah, yeah, it was a bit yeah. <laughs> it really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, I think also like a quite a forensic approach. To be honest with you, like we, like, yeah, we do get very the gold part of it. But like, you know, we're all kind of have a similar kind of sciencey background, and so if stuff works, we want to know why, and if it doesn't, we want to know well, why. He's, he's science, and I'm engineering, and you're science. So there's two of you with a science background, but only me is engineering. Do you want to explain that, uh, Foil? Um, <laughs> that you have 
You have a science degree and I, an architecture. I have two degrees, which um, arms really doesn't look. So basically, when you do architecture, I don't know why we're telling the story, but we are. So um, architecture is a five-year course. And after three years of the course, they're like, mm, you might think that architecture is not for you and you don't want to finish this. So they give you like a basic, simple, just get out of town degree, which is, of course, a science degree, which is what he it's actually went to study and got. disrespectful to those. No, those I just got for free his degree. And uh, then I just stayed on and got a, an actual degree. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So it's a. Uh, he doesn't like it. You can te- you can feel the tension in the room. I don't mm. know if it's coming across now. It's it's upped. But the co- the comedy nerds and I, I put myself on that list. That's fascinating because you're you must be um, applying that to the writing of sketches, the the the, the construction, the scientific approach. I think, I think we are. Yeah. 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 Well, do you remember we we um randomly we we were watching back uh, a sketch we'd done from years ago stereotypes it was about radios different stereo radios from being from different countries and the stereotypes of that country applied to the radio and we watched it back and the way we talked about it and why it didn't work and certain like we did it for a whole year and it went down well enough but we were like no that should never have been like that that we knew that this was off game that's using a different game there that doesn't make sense and and the way it built and everything we were just talking about it in a whole new yeah light yeah yeah if you could be taught one thing about sketch writing if you had to do it now without knowing anything, if you go, right, you start with one joke and then that's the game you're starting for the audience. You need to continue that game on. They're expecting you to play that game. You know, cloak room saying, uh, only takes cloaks. Now give me another room that only takes something else. And then the third time and only by the fourth time can you change that. Yeah, and then the fourth that's time we, where, you know, you have the idea for the lost and found and the guy's like, well, is my jacket in lost and found? And he's like, well, it could be in lost or it could be in found. The two different rooms, yeah, and then so like so then then you kind of like introduce a level of absurdity to it, yeah. But... By virtue of the fact that it's in the lost room means that it's been found, yeah, and then it's like a confusion, yeah. So yeah, just well, I mean that's our most latest example we were chatting about yesterday. But most of our sketches would have some sort of game, like our maybe the most obvious one is the immigration series that we do. So you you kind of ask a you know a, a question like. um uh, I'll pick something from U.S. immigration, maybe. Yeah. yeah. What are the two pa- most powerful parties in the U.S.? Yeah, and so you're getting the audience to answer the question in their head, you know. Um, it, yeah, America's governed by two major parties. Can you name them? And they're like, oh, Democrat, Republican. And then you hit them with, you know, the gun lobby and big pharma. And so that's the game, like, get people in their heads to think of the correct answer to the question, but give them an absurd answer, which also takes the piss out of the country. And if you can kind of, you know, if you can follow all of those rules for each one, then it yeah. becomes a satisfying piece because they recognize that you were kind of like you painted yourself into a corner. And, and boy, have we rung that game dry. Yeah. We have done so many of those sketches. It's been very successful <laughs> yeah. for us, yes. You three make Oppenheimer look like a fucking amateur. That was golden. <laughs> <laughs> that was golden. Yeah. So that's kind of what it's about for us as well. And then it becomes way easier than once you kind of those rules that you've come up with are kind of accepted or in, in whatever way you decide to do the sketches, then... Yeah then you don't necessarily even need to say the stuff out late anymore. Everyone just understands where it needs to go and what needs to be put in there. Yeah. And then you kind of leave, like the, the latest challenge for us was when we, we knew all the rules and how to apply them was our sketches were becoming like finished pieces, but way too tight. And so when we brought them on tour, what would happen was you perform them, but they wouldn't get any better from gig to gig. And so you had to leave, we had to leave space in there for improvisation and space where it could go wrong or or change. And so writing a kind of an open-ended piece in the middle of it or towards the end. where yeah, Or just testing it out as an unfinished piece in front of a crowd. Yeah. 
uh, in a new material night. Yeah. Just to keep that level of madness in it, you know? Yeah, two different skills, definitely live and, and uh, video. So, so typically, do, does one of you come in and go, right, I've got a general idea, how's about this? And then it's the three of you knocking it about. Definitely, yeah. That's how it goes every time, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that must be absolutely magical. It's really fun because everyone's got a different sense of humour. Mm. Yeah, so your idea can start one way and then you see it going, you know, in a good way, a wildly different direction that you, because you know, you know yourself, like when you're writing something, you get so far and then you're like, you're stuck in your own tr- tracks and trying to thought on it. And it just takes someone hearing it, it to go off on a, on a different way for you to open it up again. I would be the funniest in the group. So <laughs> they generally come to me <laughs> first. Yeah. Sure. It could be any error late at night, yeah. <laughs> early in the morning. And then I'd, I'd throw them a bone, help them out, you know? <laughs> do you write on stage, like when you're doing any material, like, do you write on stage sometimes then as well, in terms of you've got a rough kernel of an idea and then as you're performing it, the improv chops kick in and it's led to that missing nugget of gold. 100%. And that only happens when the crowd are enjoying that first nugget or kernel of it because it can only happen that way. Yeah. And that's when you start to go off on one because you get that confidence. (laughs) But when they don't like the opening bit, you stick rigidly to the fake bit that you wrote, (laughs) die in your arse for three, four, five minutes. Do it a lot faster. Then just move on, never talk about it again. Yeah. Don't look at the guys in the eye after (laughs) in the green room if it was your idea. That's when you know, oh, they haven't liked the first bit, but there's more bits to come. Are yeah. the worst when you do, because, you know, like, you know, you have to set up your joke properly at the start. And with new material, you can sometimes just forget or just miss that setup at the start. And with a sketch, it's pure death, as it would be, oh. I guess, with stand-up, because you just look at the crowd and you're like, you didn't understand the setup or we did a bad job getting it across. And what do we do? Well, you're just going to have to live in this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, horrible. Now, th- this is a real ego massage of a question, but... Lovely. You, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say for a lot of people, you'd have got you'd have got them through that. I know you I know you'll hear this a lot. You'd have got them through that lockdown. You'd have helped them through the the, the, the videos and so on. What's it been like when you're walking up? Because I again, this is more ego massage. The charisma the three of the, the three of you have got when you walk on, boom. But I imagine that's been amplified post lockdown. The the euphoria as you walk on must be that must be special. The the very first live gig that we did after lockdown. Like it was a half capacity Vicar Street place in, in Dublin here. And um, they took the roof off it. It was, it was that, that's one of the best feelings I think about. Yeah, it was that. And then they'd been watching the videos. And like you said, like no one had been creating new content, like in terms of TV um, or film over lockdown. So people had tuned into us in a big way and that just poured out. It felt like that show was amazing. It was really magical. Yeah, I didn't actually expect it. I, James to have people after the shows like you know say that sort of thing because they have been saying it you know and it's like obviously really nice to hear I mean the truth is obviously like you know there it was a symbiotic relationship because if no one was watching or liking our videos lockdown would have been pretty brutal for all of us as well so mm. you know we definitely needed them as much as they I guess say they needed us I guess they so gave us the attention that we were missing yeah, and de- craved. Definitely, yeah we needed that regular yeah. dose of attention did you find it? I'll be honest with you. So we, I found it overwhelming because we did we did hundreds of of uh, online comedy shows through lockdown, yeah. and then after lockdown, you get people coming up to you after a gig. Some of them, are, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, could, I could happily tear up. Some of them are really emotional, and you and you yeah. probably don't realise what you get. You, 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 the, the, the penny sort of drops as to what some of these guys were going through, and you don't realise that 
you know, the things that you were doing were how much they meant to people. And I, I, the word I keep using to Tim is, and we still get people to this day who, who come to gigs and they'll, they'll like start pouring their heart out. Did you find it similarly overwhelming? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And still, yeah. still to, you know, because a lot of the places we haven't been to yet, you know, the shows that were booked or not the children were booked in lockdown, but we haven't been back to say certain places in the UK now. So yeah, it'll be a bit like that. It's nice. It's really nice. It's hard to believe sometimes some of the things that people tell you, uh, you do get overwhelmed and your, your brain rejects it as like a sparse, you know, yeah. stop, stop making things up it's and they'll us, say yeah. stuff like you really got me through uh, the pandemic. And I'm like, no, I didn't. We got about it. And then, you know, they'll explain, they'll be, be all serious about it. You're like, that, that, I, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. Brain goes, eh, eh, not real, not real. Reject information. <laughs> Sean, gen, genuine question. What is that all about? Why can we not? Is that a comedian thing? Why? Oh, yeah. Ashling and I have talked about this. Absolute inability to take a compliment. And then we had the conversation and then she gave me a compliment and I, and I looked a friend in the eyes and told her to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I think yeah. as well, you work as a comedian, you work so hard for people's praise. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always, in my mind, so when you know, it comes got, too easy. Yeah. Or when you perceive totally. it to become too easily. It's, yeah. If you yeah. feel like you haven't earned it. Like, you know, <clears throat> I say, do you ever have a friend who's like, it's my birthday next Saturday and we're all going to X? Hope to see you there. Mm-hmm. Like they've organized the birthday and they've invited everybody and they expect everybody to come and then everyone does come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Why would I do that? Why would I why would people want to come celebrate mm. my birthday? What have I done? Like I I mean, I can understand the concept of paying to see me entertain. The concept of, of them wanting to come to my birthday that I've confidently gone. You see, I don't have that. So you're saying that it's the fact that they're not paying to come and see you that you're uncomfortable. <laughs> For my friends, <laughs> your, your birthday, you're charging. No, you know, like that could fifty euro to come to Arms' yeah. birthday. So since then, I've been charging for my birthday. Yeah. Actually, I've been enjoying it much more. It's been pretty, pretty good show though. We've got the bouncy castle. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, do you know what I mean? Like, um, I just wouldn't feel comfortable like yeah, yeah. texting into a WhatsApp group inviting everyone to my birthday. I just don't have that. Because you got to put on a show for them, but you're not putting on a show. It's just coming for you as a person. Oh, yeah, me as I a would. person. I would. Yeah, I'd you're expect... built slightly differently. Yeah, though. I'd expect the love. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. coming to my birthday party. We're celebrating me today. Do you think the you. comedy thing though, when people are giving you the compliments, like after the show, are telling you like so, like a serious story? I guess rather yeah. than compliment, sure. you know, saying yeah. thank you for that. Um, it's just it's an atmosphere where comedy is not allowed. All of a sudden, not not allowed, but like you, yes. you you're like, oh, my job is to tell jokes, tell jokes, tell jokes, and then mm. someone's being very serious and heartfelt, and the stories have been amazing, and you're like, I, I just get uncomfortable because I'm like. My brain is just going, hey, why don't you try and make a joke? And then I'm going, no, wait, that's idiotic. This is yeah. not the time for jokes. Mm. Be serious. Yeah. Be genuine here. I'm like, <laughs> also, there's, 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 that, um, there's that new thing in our modern world where the internet and um, popularity on the internet, um, fame, we'll call it fame for the for the moment. Uh, and where there's, it's, it, where it seems like it's a two-way relationship, but really it's just a one-way relationship because you've never met this person before. And the human brains aren't evolved for fame. They were, We see another human face we recognize and go, that face must recognize me back. But we don't recognize them back. And that's where the weirdness comes in to these interactions where your brain doesn't know what to do because 
we're not we're not built for uh, this. So uh, and it's happened to me. I've 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 formed a relationship with a with an online group and gone. Oh, I feel like they're they're my friends, but I've never met them before. And then I did meet them. <laughs> And it was awkward. <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Stop, stop gushing over this man. You've never met him before. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Though. Yeah. It's an emotionally imbalanced though. When yes, yes. like you meet it's people. Imbalance, yeah. I guess James, like you're saying, after the gigs, you know, if they, if they got through lockdown, it's hard to connect with them when you didn't go through the same necessarily experience. But you just have to pe- take people at the word and trying you try and put yourself in their shoes yeah i think so yeah um empathy because, i believe they call it yeah but uh, but they won't fill in the contract <laughs> because me as a psychopath i wouldn't understand <laughs> uh, they, they, they will never remember they'll never probably won't realize that uh like i didn't realize that and uh and there's so much context so people will leave out when they come up to you they leave out so much context as hilarious they'll, they'll come to you in a shop from behind and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll come at you with like a line from uh, an obscure line from a video and they go, uh, something you've forgotten you've done five years ago. And they go, the Red Book, right? And I go, sorry? So you'll get real defensive because they, first of all, they've turned you around. You weren't expecting them. You've gotten a fright. Uh, and uh, and they, the Red Book. And then they, they look at you waiting for the response. And there's nothing coming. And then, you know, you're going like, do I owe this person money? Uh, what's going on? Is it an intimidation tactic? <laughs> and uh, and then they get they get awkward. And then you get awkward. And then eventually go, oh, yeah, four times an again. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know this person. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, if now if you were to curate uh, a dream gig, I've got to ask. I think I think the answer is a yes here. Do you guys have pre-gig rituals? Yeah, yeah we, we do. did it just before we came. We as we were on air, oh, yeah. so, so to speak, uh, we um, we slap each other's bums um, in a circle. Yeah, a bum slap circle. Yeah, and uh, and we do it before every gig uh, because the one gig that we didn't do it uh, didn't go so well. So ever since then. We've we've slapped those bumps. Yeah. The bum slaps are, are in. Yeah, it gets, gets you a bit awkward, gets you a bit kind of like connected, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. A bit of tangible. Just try and embarrass you yourself, know? get yourself like yeah. it developed obviously because now we <laughs> Yeah, we don't look silly, so that's yeah. part of it. When we started out, you like obviously we were doing all the, the comedy clubs and you're on mixed bills all the time. And to do the <laughs> the pump slaps in front of like all the other comedians yeah, who are cool, stupid, yeah. you look like such an idiot. Um but like well, that's it kind of gets it, to gets it out of it, gets you in the head and on the stage. But now that we're doing like our solo shows, 
there's really no need because there's no one around watching, but we still do it. Yeah, but there's always like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like a sound guy or a backstage person looking kind of like what's going what's on. What's going on? Really, that's interesting. I, I I wouldn't have maybe thought about that, but probably uh, subconsciously, yes. But you would re- prefer somebody to be there watching, <laughs> humiliating you. No, you no, sadistic it's, humiliation. It's kind changed of, how uh, it started. Like, a, like that was a it at the beginning, kind of thing. <laughs> Mm, I humiliate think it, me you might, have, you might have pushed it too far uh, no, it was just like when it started out obviously you get us out of the comfort zone just get on and do it don't be nervous this is this is an embarrassing thing and now yeah. we're on stage I thought of more of a group kind of like team building spirit kind of like you know that would make sense because you linger longer yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's grabbing right it's not slapping yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's a reminder that's grabs playing and... yeah. it's a reminder that to keep it light as well isn't it yeah totally. it is yeah yeah totally what we do is fun. We're mates. Let's snap each other on the bum, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Big yeah. it up. Yeah. Say something silly. Get on stage. I do. I, I actually have a thing. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you guys do anything similar, but like sometimes you can get wrapped up in this the kind of um, seriousness of the occasion. You know, I hope the night goes well. And there's like always a point, and I try and do it in like the first or second sketch where it's usually it's when I don't have lines where I could take a moment to like look at you guys on stage and look at what we're doing and kind of going, God, this is good crack. Mm. But I could take, yeah, yeah. I've gotten really good at it now. Last few years, just taking a moment and going, "This is good fun. These are my friends. This is good fun," and then kind of like, then you just loosen up because otherwise you're kind of you're thinking through the, you know, like uh, jokes by numbers. You're thinking through the punchlines and you're 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 in your head rather than mm. in, in the moment. You know, I'd say it must be very hard for stand-ups. Like, how do you get out of your own head once you're in it? Like, two other people to help us here, but um, yeah. you know, when you're stand-up, I, that must be tough to get your headspace right every gig. I think I'd say ABC and you were, you know, you were part of this and you, Hey, you're always welcome back. You've never in London and need to try something. But I think ABC there's that, there is that vibe where we typically gig with mates. And so all you have to do is look around and you see that your mates are on the same bill. And I think that, that G's the spirits, you know, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That would do it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now who, who would MC the, who would MC the gig? Oh yeah. We were talking about this. We were going talking about this gig. Um, Carl Spain. Was our choice for the MC? Do you know Carl? No. All right. Do you want to? You you got some stuff in here. He's like a, he's an Irish uh, uh, comedian MC, and he's we just love him because well he's so loose with crowd work and just off the cuff stuff. He's absolutely brilliant, unrelenting. So much so that in real life, when you're talking to him, he's just constantly joking, and you don't really know when he's being serious, which is a drawback for forming a stronger relationship with him. But as a comedian, <laughs> he's fantastic, and. Uh, he has just had a history of bringing us on to the worst introductions he can think of, which we just are side stage, just laughing. Our yeah, ass off. it's great. What does he have? There's one where he's just like, you know, in a lot of people say hey, it takes a lot of confidence to come out here and do, you know, comedy. Well, let me tell you, with this next act, it takes a real confidence to come out by bravery. yourself. Yeah, real bravery to come on by yourself, by, by yourself. But to come on stage with, with your two talentless mates that you met in college. But he he's, never says who. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you'll you'll see. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You'll work it out very yeah. quickly. <laughs> so sometimes he just does that one where he's like, I call this next act Tuk Tuk is like one driver and two passengers. <laughs> yeah. Or he's like, ladies and gentlemen, earth, wind and fire. Or um the you might recognize him from the front of the Rice Krispies packet. Oh or, yeah, that was another one. Um he's oh. had a load of him. He's painting himself into a bit of a corner with us because <laughs> he's now forced himself to have to come up with new ones each time. Yeah, snap, crackle, and pop. And it was a good one. Um, 
uh, oh, yeah, we're going to have some great acts today. And he'd list a bunch of the acts and then he'd be like, you know, Andrew Maxwell, you know, Jason Byrne. And then the interval. Oh, sorry. Well, I look called him the interval, but Foil Arms and Hog. And then we're going to have a break. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, or um, these act, these guys are just some of the loveliest guys ever, except for one of them. I really don't like him anyway. Um, you can guess who that is. Ladies and gentlemen, Foil Arms and Hog. <laughs> he must love you because he's put some work in here. He has, he has, yeah, yeah. He, he has. He, he always comes. You can see the glint in his eye. He's excited for his his new put down. Yeah. One of the ones that I I banned, the we only one that I vetoed for him was one he was doing for a while, which I was like, please stop doing that. Yeah. Was he was like, then these guys are all in relationships, but don't worry about that. They do like to put it about a bit afterwards. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Carl, I was like, please, man, you gotta stop doing that. I was like, because my my girlfriend at the time was at the show and she was at the back and she was like, she overheard someone going, oh, I'd say there's a bit of truth. In that. I was like, oh my god! I was like, oh. I once you start doing like, you know, that sort of material, like someone somewhere is going to go, yeah, I'd say that's probably true. And yeah, so, the whole audience, someone's going to believe us. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, you have to stop doing that. And he was like, that's the only. He never said he wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah. He just stopped doing it. Uh, he didn't want to admit the weakness. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's great. He's a good friend of ours. That's superb. Who, who would who would open the gig? Oh, great. Um, well, you we were saying McSavage, definitely. Yeah, David McSavage, because. Uh, even um he's a former we just give him an introduction i guess he's a former street performer he's hmm. i think he's in his what is he in his early 60s late 50s gonna kill me now but um, early 60s no he's not in his 60s geez no. you know screw him and he's a serbic he's like absolutely um he's definitely one of ireland's best ever Comedians, I think. Do, do you know him, James? Do you have you come across? Don't him? know him personally, but do you not always think that the former street performers? I always think that they're like the comedy marines. They yeah. must be so. They yeah. must be so yeah. tough, given what they've had to. Oh man, because yeah, you do comedy in the street. I used to watch him in Dublin when I was a kid, going to town and watch him, and he would just like. It would be no like tight set list. He'd kind of do whatever bits, and then if people are walking by him in the crowd, he'd always pick on who anybody who walked by and just brilliant jokes about them. But like. I've seen him like get bottles thrown at him at his head by insulting people. He was screaming. He's been punched on the street. He's just like, like you say, a marine is a great way to say it. He is like we say that we, uh, that you know, oh, dumb, you're gonna pick on us, and uh, we say no, we don't really pick on the audience. So, uh, we well, we might maybe if they they need if someone's mouth and off or something, we might pick on them. But we would just interact with the audience. But David McSavage picks on people oh, <laughs> he's the original kind of bully i guess yeah, but like he's an insult comedian yeah it's quite but you know he did like he had a show called the savage eye which he included us in part of the writing from it but some of the sketches are still kind of legendary really he had like he, he had the sketches but in between them there was kind of like this kind of interludes which would kind of introduce you know, the topic he was going to talk about and like a short little sketch, if you like. And one of the things, every time he did the Catholic church, he would show like a child on the street and a priest running up and would grab the child and bundle them into a van or bundle them somewhere. Or now it turns out it was his own kid he was using in these sketches, but like, and they would have this like kind of, um, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like kind of like terrifying choir, um, Gregorian music or whatever it was, I don't know. I am fearless. Like, absolutely, he is fierce. not afraid of insulting yeah. anyone, which is like the opposite of the cowards that are four arms and hog, who uh, <laughs> we would never go after. Anyone. Yeah, no, it's not our. That's style. why we love him so much. Yeah, it's yeah. just to see what you, what we know we can't do on stage. It's we're British. just too afraid to say that stuff. But he just does it, and to see that is yeah. And oh, and it's not wow. just like it's not just abrasive words that he's using. He's so clever in the way uh, he'll deal with tension in the room. He'll sit in it. He'll love it himself. 
and then he'll he'll it look like it, it oh my god why is he saying these things what is he saying and then he'll bring it back to something really funny where he gets everybody in the audience back on board again but then at the same time he might be absolutely like caning a gig he's doing really really well really really well uh, and then he decides i think he just gets bored and goes i'm going to tank this gig yeah by saying something stupid again yeah he just <laughs> like and then tries to bring them back on board again. Andrew, yeah, to it's, make it challenge himself or something. It, it's, it's like uh, he's just toying thing. with the medium. You're just like, how can you turn a gig against yourself intentionally? Which is a place no comedian wants to be. Apart from him, he seems comfortable he there. And then he brings it back. It's it's astonishing. We used to like uh, have, he did some charity gig, and I, I can't yeah. even remember the full story of it. But yeah. he there was like a show in Ireland called Fair City, and they were all at the audience. Anyway, it was for some charity, and he unfavorably compared the actress of Fair City with something else really, really offensive that I won't even repeat. And basically, people were standing up and shouting at him like, "Imagine that! I can't you." You're like, you're like, you know, and um, and then he instead of like leaving off the stage, he he left through the crowd <laughs> with his in hands the in the air, and a guy, them. a guy stood up and swung at him and just missed him. And like McSavage, like he's probably been punched a million times, like, but he left with his hands in the air, like it's that level of wind up merchant that. <laughs> and he arms wide like Jesus, total marmite through the middle. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I admire it so much. I, I I can't relate to it, and maybe that's why oh, I admire it. You know. No. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. in comedy, you just want to see what you don't, what, what you could don't understand, what you can't do yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who would middle? Middle act. Oh yeah, we had another Did mad one say, for this. Yeah. We said uh, Doctor Brown, Phil Burgers, the clown, the silent, well, mostly silent um, clown, who we came across for the first time. We'd never seen comedy clowning before like, like mm. this uh, in Edinburgh in one of our first years. And his show was just starting out. And before like that show, like it, it ended up having packed audiences and crazy rave reviews. But at the start, it wasn't at all. And we just went to it every night because we had a pass. We'd get in for free. And yeah. Laughed till we cried. This is like, you know, um, I guess he was, you know, he was a genius back then. He did win the Edinburgh Award a few years later. So. Um, it wasn't like we picked some random obscure act. You, you know, you wouldn't possibly like. I mean, it was brilliant back then. It just hadn't got the same. Hadn't found yeah, its crowd yet. Couldn't find the press or whatever it needed to get that award. But he used to. It was just the, the madness of it, and also he would. So he, I guess we should say what he did. He, he, you know, he would come up on stage and, uh, like Sean said, he would. Um, he was mostly silent, but he would do things. He would just maybe say one word like breakfast. And he would take out a little table that had some breakfast on it. And then he would just stupid things like there was a milk carton that had half a face of a cow on it. And he would kind of look at it and then slowly bring the milk carton up to his face and change his, try to match his face <laughs> as having the other half of the cow. So he put the carton close to the side of his cheek, half the cow on the carton, and then he would try and match the face of the cow so it would be perfect and like just the comedy he could get comedy out of that people were nuts laughing he's tried to do that yeah or like, oh hello Jesus like out of nowhere he just turned around and imaginary Jesus is there and yeah. he's doing this skit but and and real like like doesn't make any sense no no mad yeah. stuff uh, it doesn't, doesn't doesn't sound funny on paper at all on paper but like when he does it when he does it it's funny because he's doing it Probably, well, from this clowning place where he taught us, uh, where he tried to teach us anyway, uh, but I'm not sure we we yeah. uh, totally got it. But it's this clowning thing where you basically try to humiliate yourself for the audience. You do everything for the audience. It's, it's zero about ego. It's all about them. 
and you embarrassing yourself for their entertainment, for their belly laughs. And if and if you can get to that place where you are totally embarrassing yourself, or just completely, completely open, really, yeah, and open and being yourself, totally being yourself with no walls, no no jokes to save yourself then the audience will find that really endearing and really funny. To see a vulnerability, it was a, we did a workshop in Soho that he ran for a week and it was the hardest thing we have ever, it was <laughs> impossible and we all collectively sucked at it. We oh, were yeah. so bad because he studied in France with Gaulier. Yeah, exactly. And Jesus, oh man, I, that stuff is tough, that cleaning stuff. Yeah, I just remember one thing that I, you know, I'm going to go too off topic for a year, but he, he would come out on, he, he would say, okay, in turn, you guys have come out on the stage you have to be yourself, like not your performance self, you yourself. And then you got to give us something to laugh at. Like you'd have nothing. And you'd be, you'd, he's like, I can see you thinking, stop thinking what you're going to do. And I was like, oh, okay, he says, just, just do it. And you, some people would walk out on stage and he had a, a bin lid and a plastic children's golf club. And he would whack the golf club off the bin lid. And then you were, that was you gonged off. Yeah, you're not funny, go. Yeah, and some people would walk on and they'd be halfway out and he gonged them. And you could see his point. You yeah. knew that they weren't being themselves. Genuine. Yeah. Or, or someone would they try a, a joke that they had, like a planned joke, and he'd be like, I don't want to hear your shitty jokes. <laughs> Do you remember? I so I I had like all these like tricks that I'd learned from like um I guess from stand up and years of kind of messing in school. And that you know, can make people laugh. Like I could do that noise of those um it was like these tubes you used to buy in the shop and you turn them upside down and they go, remember those? So yeah. I, I did that. and uh, An impression. Yeah, and, and I actually <laughs> got away with it. He was like, oh, very funny, nice one. And he's, oh, he didn't realize that I just had like pre-planned that one. <laughs> and anyway, they, later on, I came back on and I was like, couldn't think of anything. So I did the new thing, right? <laughs> He, he slammed the bin lid down and Hog here was crying laughing <laughs> he wouldn't let it go Hog was mentioned every few days for the next few months he's like I can't believe you did the tube again <laughs> <laughs> so the, the thing now the thing with Dr. Brown is that, that is it, was it Gaulier the thing yes. is that he he from what I've heard he breaks you in order to then build you up is that right yeah it's like a two year course a three year course or something another friend of mine did it but he's, oh, by the way, oh. Hard stuff. I like we did uh, five days of it. Uh, five days. Emotionally and exhausted. I've never just been emotionally drained. Like do you, mem- do you remember what were different? Yeah, same. The dreams. Do you remember? Do you remember we had we had we were staying in like it was like at a palace hotel or something in Earl's Court, and we had a triple three beds in a row, mm-hmm. right? Three single beds, <laughs> and we came back and all of us just we didn't even go for beers or anything after we were we got the tram back. It was like eight o'clock. And we mm. just face planted the beds. That's mm. gone. I remember wake, yeah. I remember waking up in my clothes going, Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah. Dr. Brown had said that like it's harder for if you're already a performer, mm. it's gonna be harder for you to learn clown because you've you've created a defensive persona on stage to survive in the harsh world of comedy. So you have to kind of try and get rid of that and get rid of all the tricks it's you a, use. Yeah, it's about like uh, deep down, it's, it's about like just being yourself, like being pure yourself. Yeah. Like people think, oh, I'm being myself, but really you're not actually just being yourself. There's lots of things in, in all daily life, everything you do, the way their tone of voice to the your expression on your face, you're always trying to protect yourself a little bit from 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 embarrassment from anything because we always think of embarrassment as bad as humans but embarrassment isn't necessarily bad you're doing it to yourself so it's really hard 
to just be yourself in front of a crowd of people it's even harder to do mm. that mm. but we we had like during that that week we were there in Soho we actually had a show booked on like something like the Wednesday or the Thursday night and uh, <laughs> Dr. Ben was really annoyed about that because he's like oh, you're just going to go back to like the old way of doing it which of course we did and it went really well and it was such a relief to be able to use the old tricks again and then you go in the next morning um, to the client course and just get absolutely destroyed but we did actually having said all that right we have learned a lot from it and have applied it to our live show we're not doing clowning it you know that's not what we're at but it's allowed us like when it's taught us when stuff goes wrong on the stage just to relax open yourself out and accept what's gone wrong and just go with it and go with the flow and listen to the audience. And that's really helped with that actually. And it's made the shows much better. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Who, now who would close the gig? Oh yeah. We, we're trying to figure oh. out who, who do you not want to go on after or who's the worst person we've had to go on after? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we'd have him at, at the end uh, so that no one would have to follow a band man. So Rob Broderick from a band man. Um, yeah, no one wants to follow him because I think we did. We have to follow an EP one time, Electric Picnic uh, fe- Music Festival. Oh, it's so hard. We've done it, I think, once or twice. It's just right. if you don't know, um, Rob, a band of man, first off, he's an incredibly nice guy, just one of the one of the good guys, really genuine dude, but also he's a bit of a genius and an improvisational genius. And he would, he used to open his show with, um, what called What's in Your Pocket. Mm. Yeah, I won't it's rap. all improvised rap yeah, like, with, with, with musical backing too yeah, so there's a lot of energy I'm not ruining it because no, no. you know it, it has time. to be seen to That's be believed really yeah he would go through the audience and he would get all the stuff he would just what's in your pocket right now and he would get everyone's things and he would kind of bring them up onto stage and then he'd uh, you know whoever he's had a, a bunch of musicians who've kind of um accompanied him and they would kind of play a little riff and he would sing a whole uh song based around all the stuff that's that had been in everyone's pockets and he's just it, as like, it's produced it's yeah. from the pocket you just oh just yeah blows right. your mind up front. No, no he doesn't no time no, no. He, he you hold it up he takes it and then he rhymes it to the last thing he said it's incredible it's yeah and, it was like, ah, and it's to music of course it's to, yeah. To a, it's to a banging beat like as well. Yeah. So, so everyone's like, oh my God, it's the best thing I've seen in my life. It's like trying to like, it's like doing a speech following Martin Luther King. I had a dream speech <laughs> and you're the next guy on the bill. You go, <laughs> well, I also had um, a daydream. Yeah. I had a daydream and yeah, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I had yeah. a sandwich. Get off. Yeah, yeah. Like when we followed him, everyone, at the end of a set, everyone was, everyone, everyone was standing up, jumping to the beat and every time one of the rhymes came in, a roar, like a massive roar, five minute song, like oh, God knows how many roars throughout it as they're jumping. And there's a gentleman that was a bad amount. Next up, and then the MC is obviously, it's like every, the gig is running over. So he's not even going to do MC work and bring everyone down. And so it's like, next up, it's Foil Arms and Hog. And you're like, yeah. oh, Hello. just kill me. Just kill me now. Hi, we do sketch yeah. comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd are still standing up looking at us. Some people slowly sitting down. It's <laughs> yes. like, are you not oh. rock and roll and comedy and Jesus all wrapped in one? No. So um, <laughs> just put a banner man to close the show. It's yeah. a safe bet. <laughs> not, not just in terms of comedy, but like in life, one of the greatest live acts I've, I've ever seen. Oh, a, a banner man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Jo- I mean, he does ABC a lot. I mean, you know, t- Tim will testify the show you know you know some comedians phone it in 
He's like, he's the opposite of that. Yeah, he's not allowed, is he? Can't. Mm. He's <laughs> absolutely, he's extraordinary. And the, like you, I mean, you've you've nailed it. Or I mean, I'm really just copying what you just said. But the fact that, like you said, I mean, also, he's so beloved that some people have brought things in from home. You know, so <laughs> someone's like, someone's got to bring in like some sort of like toy horse out of their handbag just because they want to be a part of the Abandonman yeah, experience. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's... Uh, Speaking of being a part of the Bandaman experiences, like one of the nicest thing is, um, you know, we played a festival with him mm. before, like we were saying, and he, he has to sound check. And, uh, you know, if oh, you happen yeah. to be wandering through the tent, yeah. he'll include you yeah. in his sound check yeah, like and you that. feel so special. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. He, he'll do a sound check at Always Be Comedy and Tim and I will look at each other as if to say, this is a nice moment. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. He'll just include your name or whatever. Also, he's got every right to be the most arrogant, pr- you know, because yeah. talent, talent just like falls off him. Yeah. You could not meet a more humble, lovely, yeah. you know. No. Yeah. It's actually kind of annoying how nice he is. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's, he's essentially a perfect human being. Yeah, yeah. what he's, a prick. He's probably a serial killer, isn't he? <laughs> Do you yeah. know what? I mean, I say, I'm gonna, we will send this clip to Rob. I, I, part of me hopes so. I think yeah. actually a part of me was thinking of putting um, a band of man on first and then putting Mac Savage after him because <laughs> Mac Savage would, would have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I hate he, that. He would hate it and love it at the same time. I don't yeah. know. So, you know, it could yeah. be a shuffle of the deck for the second night if we've, he, if we've got two nights. He'd be giving out about abandonment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Set. Yeah. You, know, you, you probably like that more, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He'd be real bitter about it. I liked him more than me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Hang on, but I don't want a band to worry. What I mean by that, Rob, is just so that we know that there's a chink in the armor. That's all we meant by that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're afraid of Broderick re- reprisals. I was afraid of, <laughs> oh, James, just about. I mean, it was lovely that the boys picked me, but when you said that you hope I was a serial killer. <laughs> oh, just, my God. You know. Having been given out to by, by Rob Broderick. Just be... <laughs> he'd, do it, he'd do it in such a smiley way. And he'd oh, say, look, it hurts we've, so we've cleared up those missing people on my street. And I had no, nothing... Uh, <laughs> We know that I had nothing to do with that. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Is that, and this is quite a syrupy question, but we, we do love it. Has there been an incident at a gig that you would somehow love to replicate at, at this gig? 
I mean, there's you, a few, I guess. There's a because <laughs> we were thinking about this, and you've you've kind of put it like a, you phrase it in a really nice way, like a Serbi, like a sweet thing that you'd love to. We immediately went dark and found something so dark that we loved that we wanted to see it again. <laughs> so, well, look, can I, just, can I just say, Jen Brister yeah. picked a moment where a comedian, Ricky Grover picked a guy up because he was being such a pain and was bench pressing him. Oh my goodness. And, and, and then halfway through the story, Jen goes, how is this the thing that I want to replicate? But, I think, <laughs> but, it, but it sounds like yours is a similar thing in that I just think she wanted to experience it again. Dude, ours is bizarrely similar. Well, there's a few. I've actually just, uh, I've just come to my mind there. Do you remember Michael Redmond uh, getting all the people to jump on top of him? Or... <laughs> You what, mean, what happened there? All the children, all the children to jump on his chest. We were doing the, and then he drop kicked a girl, didn't he? What was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's coming back. We were just loving the dark stuff. I don't know. What did he do? The triple J moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. He kicked somebody or he did something. It was mental. Uh he rubby tackled a woman on stage. He, 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 he replicated rubber tackle, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's setting it up." He's like, "You stand there, and I'm gonna run. They're gonna tackle you." And we're all like, "Watch, go." Why is he going to, where's the twist in this one? This is going to be funny. And then he just cleaned her out. <laughs> I, I, and I was in the back. Is that the one? Yeah, you, I, Frankie goes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And from then on, we call that Triple J. So anytime <laughs> something is like, oh God, was out last weekend, just Triple J. Yeah. But like, um, that was <laughs> slightly less kind of, uh, you know, yeah. like, we've got a double, double J. J. Double J, yeah. yeah. Double J. But yeah, yeah, the rub tackle, sorry, yeah. The rub wanna... tackle was huge. But the, the one quite similar to Jen Briss's story about the, the lifting the guy over the head. Oh, yes. This is Bell fast so I, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't yet seen this comedian since and um anyway. probably won't well so we're doing a gig in belfast in the empire now the empire is it was always a great gig we always loved doing it but it could turn on you do you know what i mean it could i've seen it turn on other people like they're no fools stuff belfast audience and um so anyway this guy was on and he was a english comedian and he was doing a set and it was it, it wasn't great but it wasn't Terrible either, yeah. but like I said, you know you have to you have to win. It's, that a, it's a rowdy room. You it gotta, is a rowdy room. You got to grab it. Drinks are cheap, you know. Whatever you got to you got to yeah. you got to grab it right. And um, so he started doing his gig. The audience were chatting away. There's a group of fire uh, firefighters at one table, and uh, that had been established earlier on the gig. Anyway, they wouldn't they wouldn't shut up. So he kind of was like, "Hey, oi, 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 guys, 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 you're gonna keep it down, you know? Yeah." And they're like, "Oh," and then he said, "All right, look, you know, um, if you uh." If you, if you think you're so good, why don't you come up here and do this? And like, you know, the classic kind of teacher thing. Why don't you come up and teach the class, right? Anyway, the firefighters kind of stood off. And they're like, oh, okay, no worries, right? And he went to them back to doing his gig. Like They kind of kind of silly, kind of were bubbled up a bit again. Five minutes later, he decided, well, that tactic worked to shut them up once. Maybe I'll do it again. And he said it to them again. But in the meantime, the firefighter had obviously had time to think about this and decided actually he would like to come up. <laughs> and he was maybe six foot six. He stood up, he climbed onto the Empire stage, which is enormous. Yeah, it's about uh, five foot stage, which he just leapt onto. Yeah, your mom was like, you come up here and do this. And mom was like, all right, I will. Got up, picked up the comedian who was holding his pint. The pint, sp he spun the comedian. He threw him over around. his shoulder. Like, yeah, yeah. Threw him his shoulder. Yeah. Your man is still holding his pint. He spins him around. Now the pint sprays in a circle. Yeah, and it's all down the comedian's back. He brings the comedian, he dumps him off stage. He comes back, comes back to the microphone and says in front of everyone, why did that chicken cross the road? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The room lit up. Oh, it was, oh, it was amazing. Slap back down again. Down. And the other comedian... His, the, the poor open micer has left to walk slowly back to the microphone. Oh, 
And he just said, "Well, that was kind of my time anyway." So good night. He he he, he pulled it pulled the ripcord. But yeah. oh my god! But like in fairness, like he had you know, if you call somebody up on the stage, like you, you run the risk, you run the risk that they might actually come up. Yeah. Why did the chicken cross the road? Like he didn't injure the guy; he just picked him up, put him off stage. Yeah. yeah. The fireman never told the punchline. <laughs> like he didn't even need a punchline. He he got a standing ovation with a setup. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That is, guys. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, it was like, it's, yeah. I what, just remember yeah. looking at it going, please remember I all mean, of this. I'd love to know who that guy is. He knows himself. Maybe he's never told anybody. But I'd love to know if we'd ever come across him again. Are I'd we... say that's going to make and break. You either quit comedy then, or you yeah. go on to become really good yeah. because you're so determined. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, now's the time to reveal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, stuff does happen. I, I On your first, you know, few, few days in a job, I... I was working in a swimming pool as a lifeguard and my first, first ever day on the job, the kids in the pool pushed me into the pool. I was a lifeguard. <laughs> so that is the equivalent. You were bent so over, weren't you? You were bent over giving out to someone yeah, and the other kid came fear. up behind you. Oh, they smell fear. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, it was a, oh, it was a, like a deprived area in Dublin. It was a, like, you know, the kids were lovely, but like they were, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything you asked them to do. They were street smart. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like they, they were. They had. They, they had they me bought accent, and they were like, "Totally." They just let's get this. Lad. Yeah, they were good crack, but I decided um, in my um, I decided I would be their friends. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> and turns out they push each other into the pool. So <laughs> I was in the gang. Yeah, yeah. So they. I remember. Yeah, just seeing the pool getting closer and closer and closer. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, I said no diving, and he's like, I didn't do a dive. I did a bullet. There's like a bullet is when you put your hand. I can't even remember. This. Pencil dive. Yeah, the pencil dive in. And, you, and I was like, right, no diving, no bullets, no twirlies, no spinnies, no backward spinnies, no side spinnies. And they keep finding loopholes. And they push me in the pool. Brilliant. This guy wants to play our loophole game. What an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had me as soon as I said, as soon as I adopted their lingo. As soon as I said bullets, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. your credibility. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I'm just presenting that story for balance. You know, that, you know, I'm not perfect. How, how did you style it out when you got out of the water? Oh, I, I couldn't. It was just pure shame. I got out and actually, like, I started to pull the things out of my pockets, like my keys, my phone. Oh, and uh, and then it was weird. Like, they actually felt sorry for me. Like, yeah. it was next level. So some of them were like, oh, lads, that's not on. Look, his phone was in his pocket, like, and all this sort of stuff. Oh. And uh, and anyway, then I had to go in. Nobody said anything. I had to go in. I had to change my clothes. And they were like, what happened? And I was like, first day. And I was like, eh, fell in. And they're like, what were you doing? And oh, I was no. like, I think one of them pushed me in and they were like, yeah, they actually didn't even like, it wasn't even a big deal for them. They're like, yeah, you see, you were too nice. That's the problem. And then they, one of them went out. He was like a seasoned guy. Mm. It was like, oh, <laughs> like the walls shaking and they were like, oh, he means business. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you know, it's funny though, because one of those guys who worked in that area in, in Dublin yeah. had then been moved to a posh area in Dublin yeah. but he hadn't retrained and he <laughs> went in right and on the first day he was like time up everyone out of the pool and there was one kid I remember I remember being there was one kid who just didn't get out of the pool straight away and he, he was like <laughs> anyway the kid burst out crying obviously because he's never had anyone in his life shout out they got together crying burst out wouldn't stop crying and then the parents came in with like what were you what were you doing why were you shouting he's like I'm so sorry he's like I, I was working in you know X and I, I just did that's what you had to do and he was just like you're a disgrace like, especially on your first day as well yeah you have to make an example much to my dad said he's a teacher and for 40 years on his first day with a class that 
have him for the first day, he would pick on the smallest, quietest, meekest child oh, and wait for them to like drop a pen on the floor and I go, get out of the pool. <laughs> And the, kid, yeah. the other kids are like, well, if you'll do that to the nice yeah, kid, yeah. what's he going to do to me? Yeah, he, yeah. Say, he saw the messers at the back look up and go, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what? So what? So by, so that, that is what, so you're sending out that signal. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, he says, it's great. Uh, they, you know, it's a classic. Then they, you respect that teacher. Yo, wow. Oh, that teacher's being nice to me. Well, I've obviously earned that uh, because, you know, he, he 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 take no shit, you know. He doesn't take any shit from anyone. So simple psychology. But you know, it isn't comedy. I mean, apart from like roaring and shouting at people, which you can't really do. <laughs> like, but like you know, there's a similarity there. Like you know, if you're an MC or you know whatever, you're playing like a Saturday night yeah, gig, and a, you have to get people to shut up. And yeah, yeah, but like you have to kind of not make an example of someone, but you kind of do. Like you kind of the first person talks. Oh, you know, you have to. You know, give your you know, if you got pre-prepared gags or or you don't or you chat to them and you yeah you know, so well, exercising getting the crowd on your side yeah really. whipping yeah. them into shape I guess yeah I mean yeah and um, yeah if you don't feel one hundred percent comfortable you will have to do that I suppose it, it people heckle when they smell fear because yeah. uh, heckles bad heckles come from cowards and they'll only heckle when a gig is going badly or they see a vulnerability. And then they go, I can bully this and I can look good myself. And that's when they do it. Mm. Yeah. Tim, Tim's thinking of which always be comedy audience member we need to, the nicest one we need to sacrifice to, as an example. <laughs> mm. Andy, Andy Tulip, okay. if you're listening, you should be very afraid. <laughs> uh, right. Now, we, <laughs> which incident under any circumstances must not happen at this lovely gig? Oh, well, we'd have, well, in hindsight, it was really funny at the time. It was absolutely crazy do you want to set it up yeah okay so this is going to sound bleak but it, it isn't it isn't really bleak well so yeah my, my father passed away when i was maybe five and um and anyway so i didn't know the lads that well this is a few years into our career but we wouldn't have known each other's personal lives like we do now and um so that kind of just would have been a kind of an, a a fact that they knew about me but yeah. they wouldn't have known my father's name perhaps or even where he was from or ever yeah. seen a photo of him or anything yeah, they just had to trust we knew this we knew that yeah 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 we didn't ask him is, better yeah. because, that's right yeah, but he passed away we knew so that so we were doing a show in up in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and yeah. we would get uh, audience members to come up and participate in this kind of mock Mexican yeah, it was like uh, a, gang like a, fight. Yeah, yeah, sketch. We'd bring them all up and yeah. we'd pair them off with different people, you know, like, you know, like I'd take one of them and Hog would take another and then Arms would be looking after the audience for a second. And as part of the different scenes were going on, there'd be bits where, you know, like old school sketch. So when we're not in character, we turn to face the wall, you know, yeah, yeah. and we're not in. So the scene it was, I was looking after this man that we brought up on stage and I was like, quick, turn, turn to face the wall here. So you turn with me and then the lads are, are doing their thing. And then the guy just, he's going to just whispering to each other. I'm like, thanks very much for helping, you know? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And he goes, hey, I'm Connor's dad. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, what? He's like, I'm, I'm Connor's dad. I was like, what, what do you mean? Because our arms is Connor. And I was like, I was like, and I was like, no, no, he, he told me that he passed away. <laughs> I'm just saying that. That's just in the back of my head. So I'm just, I haven't, so I was like, oh, oh, okay. And now I'm like, oh my God, Arms has just made up this whole backstory about his life. Oh my God. Hiding the fact that his dad is alive. And he's turned up at a show. And he's turned up at the show. And now, now I'm going, because I, I picked the guy. So I'm like, Connor knows that his 
must know that this is his dad on stage, the dad that he's tried to renounce what and is now trying to make a reconnect on stage. And he probably was screaming in his head, don't pick that guy, but I picked him. And now he's seen him and now we're on stage and we're going to have to do a scene together in just a second. And what do I do? The whole thing was so weird. Yeah, I didn't obviously know any of this was going on until after the show when yeah. you guys would look like white as a sheet. And I was like, well, what's wrong? And you're like, um... Uh, I didn't know either. This is all. <laughs> oh yeah, you were, you were hearing at the end. <laughs> I can't remember exactly how it went down. What, tur- what turned out? What is it? The, the, oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. the end play of this is that we eventually found out. Eventually, ages later, is that I'm Connor's dad. Meant Connor O'Toole, another comedian, uh, an Irish comedian on the set, friend of ours, had sent his dad to come and see the show. He just happens to be called Connor as well, and the dad just. It's just giving me the bare minimum information of Connor. I think Connor, I was thinking the first person, he's in my sketch group. I don't jump to Connor or two. And that's what it was. But yeah. it was because thank God that sketch was at the end of the show. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> in a sea of worry. I obviously found it like the funniest thing ever when he revealed it to me. I was like, oh my God, brilliant. And I was like, imagine I was that much of a lunatic that I, for like four years I had kept that from you. Like, you know, don't worry, they'll never find out. Well, it's just like, what has his dad done to him that he's had to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like make up this backstory? Exist. He never existed. I, yeah. I, I have no, yeah. I've never had a father. So probably I'd say for Foyle's purpose, that would be one we would probably not want to repeat. Definitely. Oh my God. And Sean, <laughs> that's a lot for you to process in, you know, g- given yeah. where you are and what's happening. I mean, sweet Jesus. A couple of seconds later, I had to turn around to do jokes with this guy <laughs> and get him to interact with Connor. I was like, oh my God. Doing <laughs> jokes while looking at Connor as if, as if, you know, while thinking, I thought I knew you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, oh God, are you a victim of something that we need to get this man away? Oh, oh God, no. I wish I knew it was going on at the time and then I could remember to record that your face foil for the entire yeah. next five minutes. Yeah. I remember your, your face after the show, you were white as a sheet. Yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't process it for ages. I was like, what are you on about? I have a secret. I'm bearing a load. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. As, as one of life's great overthinkers and worries, I'm foil. I'm, I'm, I'm you in that story there, dude. solidarity brothers yeah absolutely uh superb now i've got to ask how do you guys unwind it's a thing that i still struggle with how do you guys do it has the gig gone well for you james now or has the gig gone badly oh yeah two different (laughs) i mean I've never that's a great oh my god that's a really good question so so i do i do i do a lot of tv warm-up and i had a i had a double record the other night and so when you're doing a double you're sort of you're even when you're not on, you're still on, aren't you? You know, and so I was, I was on for like more than six hours, mm-hmm. and I and I got back to the hotel and oh, I just co- I couldn't sleep. And then you're waking up in the night because all the adrenaline, and then you're wide awake from like five half five. Yeah. And so I I st- I, I am st- you know I've been doing comedy like more than thirteen years. I still struggle to unwind after after gigs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have something, I guess, that is almost like a halfway house of winding down that adrenaline where when we finish our live show, we always go out and meet the crowd and talk to them. So we're kind of like a bit exhausted, but still have the adrenaline pumping and you'd go out and chat to the crowd uh, after the show. And that's like a, a bit of a halfway house where you're kind of slowly winding down. But after that... I don't, do we have something that we, I don't think we have anything that we all do. No, probably not. That's good. That's really good, though. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it yeah. definitely mm-hmm. takes it down. Yeah, it can be very tiring. But it's what also... is it? What is it? The is it methadone that people take to get off heroin? It... 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the, the yeah, lower, yeah. Ver, lower, um, whatever. It's you quite call dark. That that was the first thing I thought of when you said yeah, that. Yeah, 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 it was. It was going dark. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Just like a lower hit of that attention and 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 bring it down. So you're gradually climbing down. That's good. Do you know what it's actually great for as well? I don't want people to think this happens all the time. But if the gig hasn't gone particularly well, or like you're not very happy with the gig, and you still have force yourself to go out and meet the people. It, that that really helps actually it does yeah it does because it's they're... never like what you'd think like or no. or we see these fine margins that we're we're like oh we left a bit there we shipped up that and a lot of the time people haven't noticed and they've just still enjoyed the gig anyway or whatever so it's just nice to go out and talk to people and gets your head straight actually it's and nice. that's true as well because there's, th- there's things that only you three would know and if mm. they you know let's say they've never seen you before they don't know that the third line of that sketch was actually supposed to be something that, you know, they, they yeah. would know. It's like, it's not like a great musician misses a key. Audience won't have a clue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's just playing jazz. Never all as bad sudden. as you think it is. That's for sure. Mm. Can I just say that was a hall of fame episode. You three were <laughs> good. Three gold medals. Well done. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. So much. It was a pleasure, man. It was really fun chatting yeah, to you. Very fun. See you again. That was wonderful. So if you've not seen them, if you've not seen them live before, do yourself a favor. Foils, foils. Well, br- brilliant start to the plug. Foil. <laughs> foil <laughs> do words. not visit foil, the Foils website. Foilarmsandhog.ie slash tour. Uh, just ferociously talented live performance if you I, w- I would say if you've seen the videos and you probably have yes they're obviously incredible but as a live purist you've got to see them live absolutely extraordinary huge congratulations with all the success thank so deserved much. well done dudes you're very, uh, you're very kind man yeah. thank you very thank much you. hopefully we'll see you soon how about that wasn't that wonderful foil arms and hog I imagine the warmth you feel in your soul for those dudes. Um, yeah, wonderful. We, I mean, hopefully we get them back to, if, if they're ever in London, it's, it's, a, it's a big if, if they're ever in London um, and need to run some stuff through, uh, we, we would absolutely have them back in a heartbeat. Through. My hope is that they double up with the Palladium. You know what, guys, come on, it's doable. Now, Tim... Favorite memory of Foil Arms and Hog? Mine would ha- mine would have to be g- gigging with the boys at the Tommy Field, and you know what, Tim? It's sort of a shame that there aren't as many sketch acts, and I know why there aren't as many sketch acts. But when we've had sketch acts down, Foil Arms and Hog, Jigsaw, Wit Tank, Max and Ivan, I-, I know they're not just a sketch act but you know flirt with sketch i suppose it's it's a shame that it's a shame there aren't more sketch acts but to to if you're thinking well what's the reason it's because they don't really make sketch acts they don't really make sketch shows on telly anymore oh my i'm forgetting cardinal burns oh my gosh incredible you know they they, they played abc uh, a few times back back in the day but because because sketch shows don't get made on telly i it, it must be quite discouraging and so if you were thinking about being a sketch act you've you've got to be awesome because otherwise it's going to be tricky for you to get that commission lazy susan managed it and my god that what a great show that was um so i would say see just seeing foil arms and hog up close and personal i always be comedy always felt exciting and they always i felt they always they always roofed it and went down a storm timo 
So my memory of something that hasn't happened yet. But the fact that, like you say, Sketch isn't as big a thing as it certainly was. The fact they can do three London Palladiums is just incredible. And largely doing it themselves. They, they've been doing it through online stuff, doing their own thing. I think the fact that that can lead to a mega tour where we're selling out cities in Europe and everywhere else is just astonishing. And the fact there's going to be free Palladium dates is just lovely, wonderful. Love it. And this is it. Just because the sketch show doesn't exist on the television, I think I, a lot of I think a lot of comedians who grew up where telly was king or queen. Um, maybe we fixate too much on telly, 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 and what Foil Arms and Hog have proved. They're, an- they're another act who've proved that there's more to life than telly. And just because there's not the sketch show on telly, there's still a sketch show on the internet. And you could, maybe maybe it's the thing that exists, you could do, you could put 30 minutes worth of Foil Arms and Hog sketches together to make that half hour sketch show, and it would be incredible. Uh, right, cool. Thank you all very much. Uh, we have another beauty for you. Ah, oh, a real friend of the pod next week's episode. Thank you very much as always. Please keep your correspondence coming in. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com and we are at alwaysbecomedy across the socials. Uh, thank you very much as always. Thank you, Tim. Have a great week. Lots of love. Bye-bye-bye-bye. <laughs>